The wind blows at Candlestick, and Maris surges ahead of Ruth's pace. It's episode 13 of Baseball 61. There it is. There it is. If it stays fair, there it is. Number 60. How about that? A standing ovation for Roger Maris, who got number 60. Fastball hits. He's the right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Baseball 61, a podcast about the historic 1961 New York Yankees and the Major League Baseball season of 1961. I am Dan Lavallo, and thank you so much for following the podcast. We begin with Friday, July 7th. The Boston Red Sox are in town for a weekend series at the stadium. But this was not Yankees-Red Sox from the 70s, 90s, or 2000s. Plenty of tickets were available as 29,199 turned out to watch the sub-500 Red Sox take on the soon-to-be first-place Yankees. Every player in the Yankees lineup collected at least one hit. Boston starter Gene Conley was chased after failing to retire the first seven batters of the second inning. Elston Howard homered and knocked in four runs, and the Yanks emerged with a 14-3 victory over the Bo Sox in two hours and 45 minutes. New York pounded out 16 hits, led by three off the bat of Bobby Richardson. Winning pitcher Bud Daly, who must wake up morning scratching his head, wondering how lucky he must be after toiling for the lowly Kansas City Athletics before the Yankees acquired him at the June 15 trade deadline, pitched the distance, scattering eight hits and improving to 7-10. With the Los Angeles Angels downing the Tigers 4-2, the Yankees moved into first place by a half game over Detroit with a 51-0. 28 record. Meanwhile, in Baltimore, the Orioles swept a doubleheader from the A's in a game featuring Jim Gentile's fourth Grand Slam of the season, tying an American League record for most Grand Slams in a season. The Cubs' Ernie Banks holds the Major League record with five. The Orioles were also on a roll, improving to 46 and 37 and moving into a third place tie with Cleveland, seven games in back of the Yanks. Saturday, July 8th. It was Kids and Moms Day at Yankee Stadium as players brought their kids and wives to the game. 38 youngsters, 17 wives, and one grandmother were not only part of the occasion, they all appeared on broadcaster Red Barber's pregame television show on WPIX Channel 11. The Yankees also received updated reports on their farm system. And among those having great seasons at the various levels were Tom Tresh, Phil Linz, Jim Bouton, and Al Downing. All would figure prominently in the Yankees' future. And Joe McCarthy announced he would be attending Old Timers Day festivities on July 29th. As for the game, 23,381 turned out. Remember, this was Red Sox-Yankees 1961. This time, Boston jumped out to a 3-0 lead in the first inning on Whitey Ford as Jackie Jensen hit a three-run homer. But the Yankees, being the Yankees, bounced back with five runs in the third. Johnny Blanchard started the inning with his ninth homer of the season. Cleet Boyer, Ford, Bobby Richardson, and Tony Kubek followed with singles for another run, 
And that was it for Red Sox starter Ike DeLock. In came lefty Wilbur Wood to face Roger Maris. By the way, this would be the same Wilbur Wood who reinvented himself as a knuckleball pitcher and once started and lost both games of a twinite doubleheader for the White Sox against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium on July 20th, 1973. I know, because I was there. And as Casey Stengel used to say, you could look it up. Anyway, Maris knocked in two more runs with a double, and Mickey Mantle ended the scoring with an RBI single. In the fifth, with Tracy Stallard on the mound, Mantle belted his 29th home run of the season into the upper deck and right. It also marked the 10th time he had homered with his good buddy Ford on the mound. Whitey would go on to his 16th victory of the season against only two losses. But with Ford allowing five runs, Luis Arroyo had to pitch the last three innings all scoreless in the Yanks' 8-5 win. The game took two hours and 27 minutes to play and kept the Bombers one half game ahead of Detroit, who nipped the Angels. The Yankees stood at 52-28. and and speaking of Yankees, former Yankee Johnny Mize was reunited with former teammate Hank Bauer, now the manager of the Kansas City Athletics. Bauer added Mize as a hitting coach, and Johnny joined the club in Baltimore. As for the All-Star Game, slated for July 11th in San Francisco, American League President Jim Cronin was confident in his team's chances. Quote, We have a lot of power this year in Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, and Rocky Calavito in the outfield. And fine strength in the infield with Tony Kubek at short, Norm Cash at first, and Brooks Robinson at third. I don't know if this club is any better than our teams of the past, but it is a good club, said Cronin. As for National League President Warren Giles, quote, I think each year we've had a representative team. This year is the same as any other. It is a good club and will make a good showing. I don't know enough about the American League to comment on their team. End quote. Sunday, July 9th. It was a Yankees-Red Sox doubleheader at the stadium and 47,875 turned out. In the first game, Roger Maris belted his 33rd home run of the season and Roley Sheldon outdueled Bill Mambouquet as he shut out the Red Sox on a five-hitter, 3-0. Sheldon, who improved to 6-2, and two, didn't walk anybody, and struck out seven in the two-hour and 18-minute ball game. Entering the All-Star break, the Yankees were not so lucky in the nightcap. Returning to the rotation and appearing for the first time since June 15th after straining his shoulder, Ralph Terry was removed in the third inning with the Yankees trailing 2-0. The Red Sox broke open the game with five runs in the fourth off of Jim Coates and went on to a 9-6 win in the three-hour and five-minute ball game, With the Tigers sweeping the Angels, Detroit was back in first place by a half game at the first of two All-Star breaks. Detroit held a 55-30 record while the Yankees were 53-29. and In the National League, Cincinnati at 54-30 and had a five-game lead over the Dodgers and eight-and-a-half over the defending world champion Pittsburgh Pirates. As for individual leaders... The Yankees' Elston Howard was leading the American League in batting average with a 369 figure, while Roberto Clemente was on top of the National League, hitting 357. Roger Maris led the American League in home runs with 33, 
For that matter, he led the majors in home run with 33. Mickey Mantle second at 29. Jim Gentile was first in RBI with 82, while Maris was second at 80, and Mantle third at 74. In the National League, Orlando Cepeda led the circuit with 24 round trippers, while teammate Willie Mays and Cincinnati's Frank Robinson were second with 23. Cepeda led the National League in RBI with 77. Monday, July 10th, the starting pitchers were announced for the All-Star Game, and to the surprise of some, National League manager Danny Murtaugh tabbed 40-year-old Warren Spahn to start in San Francisco, while American League manager Paul Richards selected Whitey Ford. Quote, I pick Spahn because for such a game as this, I still consider him the best pitcher in our league. Warren always has been a pitcher able to rise to an occasion when the very best is needed, said Murtaugh. Four shy of his 300th career win, Spahn will be making his seventh All-Star appearance. Starting lineups for the All-Star game look like this. For the American League leading off and playing second base from Cleveland, Temple. Batting second, playing first base from Detroit, Cash. Hitting third and playing center field from New York, Mantle. Batting cleanup, playing right field from New York, Maris. Hitting fifth and playing left field from Detroit, Colavito. Kubek batting sixth, playing shortstop from New York, Romano hitting seventh, catching from Cleveland. Brooks Robinson from Baltimore batting eighth and playing third base, hitting ninth and pitching for New York. Ford, that's right, four New York Yankees were in the American League starting lineup. For the National League, Wills, Los Angeles, leading off playing shortstop. Matthews, Milwaukee, batting second, playing third base. Mays, San Francisco, hitting third, playing center field. Cepeda, batting cleanup from San Francisco, in left. Batting fifth and right field from Pittsburgh, Clemente. White from St. Louis, a future New York Yankees broadcaster, hitting sixth and playing first base. From Milwaukee, batting seventh, bowling at second base. Burgess of Pittsburgh, catching and batting eighth. And pitching and batting ninth from Milwaukee. Spawn. It was also announced that the National League, under President Warren Giles, had fined Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher Don Drysdale $100 and suspended him for five days for hitting Frank Robinson with a pitch. Robinson had gone four for four off pitchers other than Drysdale and knocked in seven runs in the Reds' 14-3 win over the Dodgers. Drysdale then came on and was warned for throwing close to Robinson. That was an automatic $50 fine. Drysdale had entered as a reliever after the Reds lit up both starter Roger Craig and Sandy Koufax. It was the game before the All-Star break, so Dodgers manager Walter Alston was using starters out of the bullpen. Tuesday, July 11th. It was the first of two All-Star games, and 44,155 were on hand at Candlestick Park in San Francisco. Defense was not on display as the National League committed five errors and the American League two. Wind at Candlestick was blamed for the loose defense. That broke the record, by the way, of six errors in an All-Star game set at Ebbets Field in 1949. With knuckleball pitcher Hoyt Wilhelm on the mound going to the last of the 10th, and his battery mate Elston Howard having trouble catching that knuckleball, the American League held a 4-3 lead. Pinch hitter Hank Aaron, batting for pitcher Stu Miller, singled and moved to second on a passed ball. Willie Mays, who played the entire game, think about that, played the whole game, 
knocked in the tying run with a double, and Roberto Clemente singled him home, the National League winning at 5-4 in two hours and 53 minutes. Miller of the Giants was the winning pitcher and said the wind was worse in this game than any he had experienced at Candlestick. Quote, I'd start to wind up, and it was blowing so strong it was hard to keep my balance on the pivot. You can't blame the players for errors. End quote. Harmon Killebrew of the American League and George Altman of the National hit the only home runs in the game. Both starting pitchers worked three innings. Warren Spahn pitching three scoreless, hitless innings, while Whitey Ford gave up a run on two hits. By the way, the temperature for the game was unusually warm for San Francisco, even in the summertime. It was in the 80s, about 15 degrees above normal. In the end, not only did the National League emerge victorious, but so did the players' pension pool, which hauled in a quarter of a million dollars from the game. Mickey Mantle went 0-3 in the game. He was lucky to be playing. The day before, he and Ford were part of a foursome golfing at the Olympic Club's ocean course south of San Francisco, when on the eighth hole, Mantle was felled by a golf ball that struck him in the right forehead an inch above his eye. Mick hit the ground and lay still. Then he was helped to his feet. The shot came from a threesome that was playing below the rise of a hill behind the mantle foursome. Wednesday, July 12th. The post-All-Star Game story was the wind at Candlestick Park. The mayor of San Francisco, George Christopher, ordered the city's park department to appropriate $55,000 for a meteorological survey of the gusty winds in the $15 million stadium. Ideas have been coming forth on how to control the wind. Someone even suggested erecting a plastic dome at a cost of $3.5 million. Players and fans alike were critical of the winds during the game. Imagine if they had talk radio back then. The way we have it today in 2021, Roger Maris and Rocky Calavito both said if they were ever traded to the Giants, they would quit. In other baseball news, the Phillies placed pitcher Robin Roberts on the disabled list with an injured knee, hurt sliding into second base during a July 2nd game. And the Dodgers catcher Norm Sherry is expected to be lost to the club for 30 days with a broken rib incurred when he was hit by a line drive off the bat of John Roseborough as Sherry was warming up a pitcher in the Dodgers' bullpen. Thursday, July 13th. Resuming play after the first All-Star game, the M&M boys caught fire in Chicago, wasting little time scoring four first-inning runs off of pitcher early win. The 34th home run of the season by Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle's 30th homer highlighted the uprising in front of an ear-capacity crowd of 43,960 at Comiskey Park. The home run by Maris landed in the right field upper deck and placed Roger 14 games and 15 days ahead of Babe Ruth's pace. He homered with Bobby Richardson aboard. Mantle then followed with one hit farther than Rogers, way into the upper deck and center field. It was Mickey's 350th career home run. Adding two more runs in the ninth, the Yankees emerged with a 6-2 win in two hours and 28 minutes. Bill Stafford notched his eighth win against four losses, while Luis Arroyo tossed three scoreless innings in relief. 
Making the victory sweeter was that the Yanks moved back into first place by four percentage points over the Tigers, who had the day off. The Yankees now had a 56-29 and record. Friday, July 14th. Another near-capacity crowd of 43,450 turned out at Comiskey Park. But this night did not belong to Yankee starter Roland Sheldon. Southpaw Juan Pizarro was in complete control, allowing the Yankees only one run on seven hits and the White Sox 6-1 victory in two hours and 36 minutes. Pizarro walked six and struck out eight. The only run he allowed came in the eighth inning on Mickey Mantle's 31st home run of the year. The Yankees clung to first by three percentage points with a 54-30 and record because the Tigers also lost. There was one comical moment as the scoreboard operator inadvertently set off the exploding scoreboard, which explodes after every White Sox home run. Except the ball, the White Sox Sherm Lawler struck, although appearing to leave the park, did not, as left fielder Hector Lopez made a leaping catch to rob Lawler of his round tripper. Who knows? Maybe the explosion was for Hector's great catch. How about that? Saturday, July 15th, with 37,730 in attendance at Comiskey Park, the Yankees staged one of their biggest comebacks of the season after falling behind by six runs. Once again, starting pitcher Ralph Terry didn't have it, but led by Roger Maris, the Yankees bounced back, and the bullpen of Tex Clevenger, Hal Reniff, and Luis Arroyo did their job. Maris moved 20 games ahead of Babe Ruth's pace with his 35th home run of the season in the Yankees' 86th game. Elston Howard also homered, but the Bombers still trailed by two, 8-6 going to the ninth until they tied it on a pinch-hit home run by Bob Serve, a double to right center by Maris that scored Richardson. Maris also had a triple, just missing the cycle by a single. In the 10th inning, Boyer opened the frame with a double, moved to second on an Arroyo bunt, and scored on Tony Kubek's line single to center. When the dust settled, the Yankees had a 9-8 win in 3 hours and 38 minutes and remained 3 percentage points in first place over the winning Tigers. The Bombers had a 55-30 and record. The Yankees also had their aches and pains. It looked as if Bill Stafford would miss his next start because of a stiff shoulder. He went only six innings and in notching the win on Thursday night. In 1961, that was cause for concern. In 2021, that would snag a pitcher a four-year, multi-million-dollar contract. But I digress. It was reported that Bill Scourin was feeling much better. He was sidelined with a sore back. And the Yankees' farm report was encouraging. Tom Tresh was hitting at 324. Frank Carpin, a southpaw out of Notre Dame, had pitched back-to-back five hitters for the Richmond Virginians. And 20-year-old southpaw Al Downing owned a 9-1 record with a 1.92 ERA for Binghamton. So in the end, the Yankees had taken two out of three from the White Sox, and now it was on to Baltimore to continue the road trip with a Sunday afternoon game at Memorial Stadium. And with the Yankees leading the Tigers by percentage points in the National League, Cincinnati was opening things up with a six-game lead on second-place Los Angeles and nine-and-a-half games over defending world champion Pittsburgh and San Francisco. Well, that is going to do it 
for our latest Baseball 61 podcast. Be sure to follow our podcast in the Apple Podcast Directory, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also visit Baseball61.com. And as always, thanks for listening. I'm Dan Lavallo.